dusty ins, just cause the outs, and let's talk about, let's talk about, let's talk about. Let's Talk About the Arts Festival Conversations is delighted to be joined by West Wicklow Chamber Music Festival for its 2021 May-June programme. The festival is in its fifth year and will run from the 20th of May until the 14th of June 2021 with an online performance every Thursday and Monday evening at 8pm. The festival would normally take place in Rossborough House in West Wicklow. However, it has been reimagined for the times we find ourselves in. It is a celebration of classical music, both old and new, and also the Garden of Ireland, Wicklow. Let's Talk About the Arts is joined by some of the participants of the reimagined online 2021 programme. Our final interview for Festival Conversations with West Wicklow Chamber Music Festival is with composer Linda Buckley. Linda's song cycle, The Finite Air, is a new commission which will be performed by dynamic duo Fiacre Garvey and Rachel Kelly, who also opened this year's festival. Hello, Linda, how are you? Hello, very well, thanks. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's gorgeous to meet you. You too, thanks. Um, I want to kick off the interview by reading to you some of the ways that your music has been described. Um, I kind of was reading about you and listening and it's been described in so many different ways. So I kind of wanted the listeners to, if they haven't listened to anything from you yet, get a feel of what they might experience. So I just picked out a couple um, which I kind of spoke to me. So fantastically brutal, ecstasy, mythic magic, intense and shimmering and strangely beautiful. So these are some of the ways that people have experienced your music and reviewed your music, which I just found really fascinating. Um, But I wanted to now switch it up and ask you how you kind of create your music. How, what's your style as a composer? Maybe you can talk about some influences and how do you create your music? It's really interesting that like, you know, even the ones that you've chosen there, that they are the ones that kind of resonated so much with me as well over the years. And I remember one of the first reviews I ever got was in America. And I did a piece um, which was described by the Boston Globe as strange and beautiful. And I was like, oh, okay. So like, I kind of was thinking, what does that mean in a way? You know, so um, I suppose I am always interested in something that is very kind of haunting or resonant or rich or immersive that brings you to a very particular place, um, but maybe has this element of strangeness. And actually, I think sometimes that comes from, as a child, being interested in like the supernatural and things like that. So kind of things that are sort of quite um, haunting, but yet kind of sometimes maybe melancholic or have a beauty, but maybe a strange edge to it. Nice. I love that. And can you talk a little bit about uh, the influences that uh, inspire you to write in the way you do? Well, I think a lot of it is, you know, growing up in this beautiful place, the old Hedekin Sail in in Southern Ireland, which is just, you know, peninsula right on the edge of the ocean and kind of being inspired by landscape and the sea. And um, years later, then kind of as I grew, grew up listening to 
music by even bands like The Cure or Cocteau Twins or these kinds of very um, gothic kind of bands. Um, So in a funny way, I think my music is probably more influenced by not classical music than classical in a way. Years later, I kind of got more interested in classical music. Um, But I think that I'm very influenced by the visual and by atmosphere more even than Mm -hmm. music itself sometimes, I think. I love that. And there was, I was listening to an interview with yourself yesterday um, and the interviewer heard this story. So this is a third kind of time it's probably going to be brought to you, but it was about how your mother um, isn't very musical and she doesn't have, um, you said a note in your head. They're not my words. So if she's listening, they're not my words. <laughs> um, they're your daughter's words. But um, you said that you actually were quite um, influenced by her musically which I just love can you talk a little bit on that well she she would say herself that she's tone deaf okay so so I haven't got myself in trouble (laughs) she totally would uh, talk about that very openly um so I suppose it was always a big split in that my father is a musician like he's a trad musician plays and farmer and plays um Mm -hmm. accordion and things so um she would sing kind of lullabies and things like that when we were children but they would be kind of very weird melodies because she it was quite random like the notes she was singing but I thought it was kind of cool in a way so I suppose I almost remembered those kind of strange melodies too and that was I also thought that was interesting yeah no I love that and I'm working on um preparing like a little intro for a different podcast and we're going to do loads of different voices and I've kind of said base it around this scale so I can work it but last night I met after like kind of doing a bit of re- research, I messaged them and I was like, lads, can you get some people who, who can't sing? I was like, I have to figure out how this could work now. <laughs> so you have kind of inspired me there. So thank you so much. Um, I'd also uh, like to know a little bit about your values as an artist, because I think that will also give us an indication as to why you create um, so do you have any like values or aims or goals as a composer and a performer? Because I know you perform too. Yeah, I suppose it's kind of it's such a personal thing for me. And for me, it's all about heart and emotion. And, you know, that sometimes with music, um, there can be a, a school of thought that is more head over heart. 100%. And I'm not like that at all. And I'm not interested in that really. And And I love music to be communicative and inclusive and you know some of my favorite times have been um having a piece played and you know an elderly woman coming up to me saying oh she felt like she was experiencing the sea and the pull of the waves and all you know so that kind of Mm -hmm. I feel like that's really important to me that um that it's not alienating and that it feels inclusive and that um it creates this kind of space for the listener in a way I know you know I've always been interested in people like Brian Eno and like ambient music and that idea that like you're creating this space for the listener to kind of feel emotions and be themselves and you're not kind of pushing them around too much in a way so um I suppose I, I want the music to feel that it's a connection between people rather than I'm this great maestro and I'm going to create this work locked away in my tower and then send it out into the world. I think I feel like I want to be connecting with people in a real human way. That's important to me. That. 
Yeah, I think that's beautiful. And if you don't mind me asking, this is something I'm kind of exploring. You mentioned there about like living in the head over the heart can sometimes, and I'm definitely someone who lives in my head a lot. Um, and it's quite limiting to me um, sometimes as an artist. Um, and just you mentioned there, and I get the sense from your music that living in your heart and creating from your heart, is that a natural thing? Or is that something that you explored? And obviously we need to know the technique and the styles and that side. Does that ever get in the way or how do you find that balance? Well, that's a good question, actually. And I think, you know, because I, I teach composing as well. And I sometimes yeah. would talk about this with students that like, in a way, te technique is really important. And it's about getting that under your belt so that you can almost put it to the side and it's it's working in the background. But then the real feeling aspect of it can take over then in a way. But I think it can be uh, difficult to have one without the other. I think they're always interacting with each other, which I think is a lovely thing in a way, yes. you know, that, um, you know, there may be something about a particular harmonic progression or series of chords that you want to really um, convey a particular feeling, but it's, that's, you have to know how to construct that, but then, you can allow for wildness in it as well. You can allow for instinct. You can allow for intuition. That's really important for me. I would never be so um, tied to something that I won't allow myself to just allow wildness to take over. I think that's really important in the act yeah. of it. I remember reading about this. Actually, again, Brian talks about um, the flow state and when you're working on music or any art and how it's almost like um, losing yourself if you're swimming or if you're surfing or any of these things that actually you're taken over by a wave and you're allowing yourself into that moment and you're not worrying about what will happen before or after but it's just about being in that moment I think is important I love that I have a little story for you and I'd love to get your thoughts on it um obviously you wrote the piece the new commission for West Wicklow which we are going to get into um in a few moments but I remember speaking with a singer who wasn't let's say the strongest musician and he said I was doing this contemporary work and I got up on stage and I just went for it and after the conductor was like you sang the entire thing a third above what you're meant to sing and he was like all right and very chilled very cool very like artistic guy wasn't too put out by it and the composer just said I I didn't care he captured exactly what I wanted to capture. And I'd be intrigued to know where you would lie if you're sitting there and let's say Rachel Kelly, who was performing your work, sang everything a third above. Would you be like, oh, Jesus, she's not singing the right notes. But if she was given the harsh, would you be like, I don't care? Like, how would you grapple with that as a composer? Mm, no, it's a that's an interesting one, isn't it? Um, yeah. Well, for me, character and spirit and energy are always the most important thing. You know, okay. I mean, I might have a particular way that I've imagined it in my head. Um, but I think once the the feeling of it is coming across, that's the most important thing. Yeah, I love that. And let me be clear, Rachel Kelly would not sing it a third above because she's an incredible musician. I was in college with her. I know how amazing she is. Um, so that was just an example. Let's talk about the West Wicklow Music Chamber Festival, which is an incredible festival. And I have the honor of chatting to so many artists. How did you become involved with uh, Fiacra and the festival? Well, I mean, I had heard about Fiacra over the years and I had always wanted to work with him. And yeah. it's just such a lovely opportunity for this. He got in touch with me and 
I had worked with Rachel already um, oh, because fabulous. we had done this project, which is called the Irish Language Art Song Project. It's a very long title mm. um, where um, it was felt that there weren't really enough art songs in the Irish language. And so they commissioned all these new pieces. And I wrote pieces based on poems by Deirne Negrifa, who was doing great out there at the moment with her with her book, Ghost in the Throat. I'm so delighted for her. I'm so proud of her. And I, I work a lot with her. Um, and so I had loved Rachel's voice as well. And I, I like it was so interesting that I hadn't really worked closely with Rachel in preparing these songs or anything. She had kind of they'd gone away and, and sort of learned them themselves. And then I met her when these were performed in the National Concert Hall last February. Yeah. And this was one of the last concerts that happened before everything stopped, you know. So I have a lovely memory of yeah. um, meeting her and her singing these songs so beautifully that would kind of make me cry, you know. And and that was one of the last concerts. So, yeah, I, I it's, it's going to be great to, to meet them again and work again with them. Yeah, awesome. And let's talk about the song cycle, this new commission that you have written for um, the West Wicklow Festival. And it's called The Finite to Air. Am I... Am I the finite air, yeah. So finite it's kind of air. like, yeah. Thank you. Um, so the finite air. So it was written for Fiacra and Rachel. Could you talk to us about the process of writing this? Maybe how you began to write it, what you wanted to create and how it developed and how much kind of time was spent on it. Mm. So w- with something like this, um, I always want to have a close personal connection with text. So in the choosing of the text, that's a big process in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I often never work with text unless I know the poet personally, which seems like very unusual. But um, I thought about, you know, what kind of um, poetry that I'd like to work with. And I had met this poet in a castle in Italy a couple of years ago, which is wow. this beautiful setting in Umbria in the middle of Italy um, on an artist residency where you have like a combination of maybe 12 to 14 artists and poets and musicians together. Um, and so we got to know each other very well there. And he's from San Francisco um, called Doug Powell or D.A. Powell is kind of how he's more well known as. Um, and he gave a reading there. And I remember being like, wow, just absolutely loved his work. It was just so heartfelt and kind of, again, that thing we just talked about of head and heart. It's like both of yeah. those things intertwining all the time. Um, and this poem is this kind of very long poem called Chronic, which is all about um, kind of it's all, it's almost connecting to the pandemic in a way, because it's about okay. illness and it's about loss and it's about death and it's about uh, fear of death, acceptance of death. And it's also about kind of connection to nature and the beauty of the world. So it's got a lot of like beauty and hope in it, even though there are dark elements in there, too. So so wow. the first thing is kind of deciding Okay, this is this is the poem I'm going to work with, and then sort of deciding, you know, you know, how many songs within the song cycle. I decided mm-hmm. on three. That was a natural way of um, dividing up the text that I was using, um, and then really thinking about her voice because I had I knew her voice very well, yeah. Rachel, and um, I, you know, I, I sing myself, so um, not like not to the extent of her or anything, but you know, I would have come from more of a Shannos background myself trad and um so I'm singing all the time while I'm writing and it comes from that it all comes from that and sometimes I'll be improvising on the piano as well and I'll I'll sketch that out and so it's coming from a very natural place like most of this piece 
was written in kind of sketch form and through little voice recordings of myself, just sometimes on my phone or as I'm walking around the house um, before I putting it into notation. So it was all naturally kind of developed in that way. It sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong, that all the elements were working together. So you knew Rachel's voice, mm-hmm. um, you knew the text you were using, uh, you were creating the music. It sounds like, like sometimes you might hear someone say, I start with the text, or I start with the music, or I start with the melody or rhythm or whatever it is. Um, that's the experience I've had with composers. But I like this idea that you are like almost all encompass of all the elements. Would that be fair to say? Absolutely. Yeah. Like I kind of feel it has to come from that organic place for me where I'm really thinking about the atmosphere of the words. And there's a lot of like mention of landscape in this as well. Um, and there's even like reference to climate change and bees and things in this. Like wow. it's, quite, it's quite an interesting text. So I think it's really like of this time, you know, and um, it was really interesting to work on it being locked away in a lockdown situation. Um, yeah. And because it's kind of about... Um, trying to get a sense of hope out of darkness in a way that's the overarching feeling of it I think and that's that's what I took from it when I was working on it amazing god it sounds incredible um and as you mentioned there you knew Rachel and you knew Fiacre and were they very firmly in your mind had you heard them play together um had you experienced their partnership um and friendship which is very evident I feel when they perform and was that firmly in your mind as you were creating this but that actually came a little bit later into the process of it which was lovely a lovely thing to discover in a way because they have such a strong dynamic together and you know that they have this history and you know that they know each other really well and this lovely friendship and like because I remember um seeing this in another project I did um late last year uh, called Glaic which is a sort of a mini opera for the um opera Ireland and so it was kind of this idea of um two very close friends who were the singers in this and as I was writing it I actually did not know this until afterwards which was kind of amazing to to look at it after the fact um that the the piece was all about um being disconnected and um being far apart from the ones we love and it's from this poem Gleic which is another dear in the grief poem and um it's all about kind of losing connection and video calls being quite strange and almost yeah. preferring audio calls and all this kind of stuff. Um, and then it was lovely to know that the two singers in it were really good friends and it was all yeah. kind of about their own um, trying to reconnect with within a pandemic situation, you know? So yeah. um, I love that. And actually it's literally just hit me which is so funny um so i i have seen all of those irish national operas 20 shots of opera they're amazing such incredible work but that particular one it was performed by gemini vreen and sarah shine and i was on a walk with gemini vreen this morning before i came in to do this interview no way and i just had to say that because i love talk about serendipity i such beautiful voices i just loved their performance was oh they were so beautiful and she we were talking about um the universal credit coming in um and we were kind of like what's happening there and we're kind of chatting about it as we had coffee this morning and she messaged me just before i got on this call so that is just so funny i love it i must (laughs) message after that um (laughs) did you consider the virtual platform when you were composing this or did you go about it as a piece that you hope will be performed 
live um, whenever we can. I hope it will be performed live. Yeah. Okay. And I mean, I, I think having seen the way that they've put together the festival so far, they've done an amazing job with yeah. really Incredible. creating this beautiful platform of really feeling that you're at a live performance. Like they've like, I think they've done it better than most that I've seen, you know, in terms of really feeling the atmosphere of the room. I think it's a very mm-hmm. hard thing to pull off, um, you know, in beautiful settings often as well, you know. Um, yeah. And I will be with them when they film this next week in London. So oh, fabulous. I'm delighted to get to go down and actually work, you know, sit with them in the room as they're as they're performing it. Oh, my God, that's incredible. I wonder how they'll feel about having the composer <laughs> in there. Ooh. I'm sure I'm, they know I'm not scary. <laughs> no, I'm sure they do. I'm having an interview with Rachel, so I might slip that question in. <laughs> um wow that's that's going to be really really amazing um can you talk us through so you've you've spoken a little bit about you know what the poem means what the piece means um having the guys in mind when you're composing it can you talk a little bit more about the the actual music and you've said it's three pieces three songs in a song cycle can you talk about the music and the styles and elements within that the first song is very much about um, sort of a sense of floating and the text is all about kind of birds flying over valleys um, wow. and this idea of kind of time being suspended. So I wanted to create this idea of something that's very fluid, that feels similar, but always slightly shifting, slightly changing. Um, and to create that, I actually improvised uh, patterns on the piano and I sang over this and it just felt really natural because I wanted to just create this feeling of time being suspended. Um, mm-hmm. And what I might often do then is kind of go in and into more detail after the fact, after this, these kind of improvised um, ideas get recorded. Um, and so it's kind of about sort of very wide, expansive landscape. And then in the music, it's just about this kind of pushing and pulling of time in a way. And I even like I had um, what I often do is I would have a printout of the poem as I'm working and I'll write little notes along the side of the feeling that I want to create in it. And I, I have it here and it's interesting to look back and, and I think, did I actually do that? You know, just in pencil next to it, I say pushing and pulling time um, in the right. piano and I I did try to create that feeling and I hopefully have achieved it. Um, The second song is quite different um, because the text becomes quite different. It becomes much darker. He's talking about um, drug failure, organ failure, cataclysmic climate change, what's killing the bees, colony collapse, all this kind of thing. And then later it gets into something much more hopeful. But in my head, sometimes I almost, like I think composing is like um, having a dream and then you're trying to, tell somebody about what happened in the dream and you kind of remember little things, you know, and you're like, oh, this thing happened. And then this other person came into the dream. So it's kind of like your little snatches of ideas that try and sort of come to you in this kind of haunted way. Um, But this one was much, the second song is quite gothic, I would say. Like I was almost thinking it's like Susie and the Banshees or something. It's quite sort of got that sort of very dark energy to it, um, which kind of lightens towards the end and it becomes more hopeful. I mean, there's some text in it that just absolutely killed me when I was reading it that, you know, it's so beautiful. And I had heard Doug um, read this poem. So I was kind of thinking of his voice and how he 
enunciates the words as well. Yeah. Um, but there's one amazing bit of text that I use in the third poem, or the third song, um, where he says, I carry the same baffled heart I've always carried, a bit more battered than before, a bit less joy, for I see the difficult charge of living in this declining sphere. So it's this idea of kind of, you know, you've been kind of hurt emotionally, but you're still trying to carry on and you know that um, the earth is in trouble and you're trying to just, you know, think about little tiny moments of joy in your life. So he's kind of mm-hmm. saying things like lilac scent of pine, the sparrows bathing in the drainage ditch, their song. So like just little tiny things that would in the day give you moments of joy. And he's talking about that. It's really beautiful. And then at the end of that third song, Fiacre stops playing and he just kind of holds this very resonant chord. Um, and Rachel is singing on her own in this very kind of quiet, intimate way. And she's singing, daylight, don't leave me now. I haven't done with you. Um, light, do not go. I sing you this song and I will sing another. It's just this idea that I, I want to stay in this world and I want to continue and I will still find moments of joy. So there's great hope in it as well, you know. Wow, just you even speaking about it is quite moving. So it's going to be quite incredible to watch. Um, I would love people to know you kind of mentioned like Gleica earlier. And obviously, if people tune in, which you should, to the concert on the 14th of June at 8pm and you listen to this and if they really enjoy the work, what other areas? You've had a lot of work that's out there. Um, is there any certain pieces that you would say, oh, okay, if you enjoyed that, maybe go explore these pieces that I've written that will help people maybe get a little bit more into you as an artist and a composer? Well, probably um, an album that I brought out in September of last year called yeah. uh, From Ocean's Floor. So um, in that, I'm working with traditional singer Irlo Lenord, um, and I sort of merge different aspects of my life together, I think, in that record. I suppose it's a good overview of a lot of different works that I've done over the years. So from like 2011, right up until 2018. So that would be a good kind of overview in general. Fabulous. Amazing. Linda, thank you so much for joining us. Just before we go, could you give us um, a couple of words as an artist who is taking part in the West Wicklow Festival, just on your experience of the festival and being a part of it? Because I think it's so wonderful and I keep trying to reiterate that it is a charity. I think it's nice to hear the experience from the artist so people know what they're supporting. Is there any words you can share with us? I think it's really special to be a part of it. And I think I'm kind of amazed by Fiacre and his sense of initiative for setting this yeah. up, you know, as a, as a young performer in the world. Um, and that sense of kind of really wanting to give something back to your own place and your own community. And I really that really resonates with me as well. Um, and, you know, because he's, you know, world class performer, you know, traveling the world and um, wanting to bring this back to your home place, I think is really a beautiful thing, you know. I, I think the way that it's programmed is really interesting in that it's this lovely combination of composers from, you know, maybe classical and romantic years, but also a strong strand of supporting young composers as well, yes. um, supporting female composers. Um, and I think, you know, I think those elements are weaved in really well together where um, connections seem to be made between music from other times and other genres 
and the present day. And mm. I think that's a lovely thing to be able to find those links between all of that. I think you're so right there, like the diversity of programs, even within one program, like the the diversity, but how everything is tied together so beautifully is quite incredible. And I am such a fan of Fiacre. I think he's done an amazing job. And as you say, so young, he's the same age as me and putting me to shame. Um, <laughs> you're younger uh, than me. <laughs> I'm always amazed by the, the initiative of all of that it's great yeah See. no it is incredible he's a special artist Stephanie Linda thank you so much for joining me it's been such a pleasure and um, I look forward to your concert on the 14th of June thank you so much no problem it was such a joy to be joined by the artists involved in the West Wicklow Chamber Music Festival 2021 Fiacre has created a beautiful passionate and proud festival in his hometown he has some of the most diverse, innovative and passionate artists participating in the festival every year. He is truly passionate about his festival and brings his exceptional artistry and infectious energy to a festival that celebrates classical music and the Garden of Ireland that is Wicklow. If you are in a position to do so, please head over to westwicklowfestival.com to show your support. All festival conversations with this year's artists of West Wicklow Festival will stay available and the concerts from the 2021 programme will be available to listen, watch and enjoy online for the next two weeks. I'm Fergal Curtis and this has been Let's Talk About the Arts Festival Conversations. <laughs>